Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and we're about to take a wild ride into the lesser-known side of rodeo life. While the biggest names in rodeo are out in the arena entertaining us all, these are the stories of the people behind the scenes, supporting them and holding it all together. Unfiltered conversations with the partners, parents, and children of your favorite rodeo athletes on what it takes to navigate relationships, raise families, and pursue careers while the ones they love are out chasing their gold buckle dreams. Whether you're a part of this big rodeo family, a fan of the action, or a lover of Western culture, Companion Pass is where you'll find all of the insights you've been craving. I feel like this week is a very big week for Companion Pass. I have someone on the show today that I have been wanting to have on for a very long time, and I had to really work up a little courage to ask her if she would come on and be a guest today. To all of our delight, she graciously said yes. So today we have Tiffany Cooper. Now, Tiffany is a mom. She's also the genius behind Fashion Posse, which we will talk all about and much more. She's also the wife of Tough Cooper, of course. He's a 15-time NFR qualifier and a four-time world champion. Thank you so much for being here, Tiff. Lindsay, my heart is beating so fast right now. (laughs) When I saw that countdown, I was like, oh gosh, here we go. The first (laughs) podcast I've ever said yes to. It was Uh like pulling teeth, I know, because you've tried to get me to do a companion pass for (laughs) how many years now? And I've, but thank you for having me. And here we go. <laughs> I, I'm so excited to have you here. I, you're going to be great at this. I have no doubt. You are just such a warm and genuine person. And oh, I have loved the little get, bits and pieces I've gotten to know of you over the years. And like I said, I felt like I know that, which I want to talk about too, but I know that you keep your private life pretty private. Like you protect it, which I completely respect. And so asking you to come on felt like a really big ask, something really big of me <laughs> to do. And I'm just so, so happy to have you on so we can all get to know you a little bit better because I think we're all going to be better people for it. I really love what you're doing. <laughs> I've got to listen to all of them and I'm like, okay, I got to be a part of this because it's so <laughs> much fun to hear everybody's different aspects of the rodeo world. So it really thanks is. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's just start at the very beginning. Tough and Tiff, that's made for TV. That should be a sitcom, first of all. <laughs> and I would absolutely watch it. But let's do like your the beginning of your love story. How do you guys meet? He has a different story than I do. So <laughs> I don't know which one is true. <laughs> We're going with yours. By default, you're the guest. Yours is yeah. true. Okay, good. Awesome. <laughs> he, we met, we met on a first date. So that's how, what I like to say is that we mm-hmm. actually met on our first date. But we did message on Facebook. So sometimes people say you met on social media. But yeah, our first date um, is the first time we actually met, and it was an amazing first date. (laughs) It was. We met in the Central Market parking lot in Fort Worth, Mm -hmm. and he gave me a hug, and he was like, we're about to have so much fun. We went to a Rangers game. It was actually October 15th, I think, was our anniversary of our first date because Mm -hmm. the Rangers had made it to the playoffs and they were playing this late in in the games it like comes full circle here because they're back there again yeah Yeah. that's what i told tough i was like we gotta go to a game so yeah we went to a rangers game and then we just hadn't had enough of each other so we there was a dallas cowboys game going on as well so we walked over and went to that game 
And then <laughs> we still hadn't had enough of each other. So we went to have dinner and just sat and talked for hours. And oh. it was like, neither of us wanted a relationship. And that's what we told each other for the first four years of our relationship. <laughs> but say, I don't want a boyfriend. And he didn't want a girlfriend because he was so busy with everything. And I was going to school and it was just like we pushed against it for so long, but we couldn't stop talking to each other. So yeah, kind of like when yeah. it's right. Yeah, that's what he always says is like, God put us together and we fought it for so long. But he was like, this is you're who I'm supposed to be with me and I'm who's supposed to be with you. He's, he always says no other girl could have handled his life the way that that I have. And I always think that's so awesome for him to say because it, it's been, it has been a hard life. I'm not going to say that I took it so easy, but <laughs> it had been hard too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's it. it. I think it really does take a special person to be able to handle this lifestyle. Was there anything, did you have a history with rodeo yourself? What was it about you that made you able to navigate that? I don't think that any of us really know what we're getting into until you're in the thick of it. At least I didn't. And I should oh, have. Yeah. I had every bit of knowledge at my disposal. And I still was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this is what we're doing. There were still things about it that surprised me. So was there anything about how you grew up, who you were, that you feel like made you able to take this on? Yeah, I grew, always grew up around horses. My dad it is was a racehorse trainer, and my mom rodeoed and showed cutting horses. And then when she remarried a cutting horse trainer, horse trainers were her thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we were always riding horses, and my grandparents rodeoed. And whenever they came by, I would jump in their trailer and head out with them for the summer. Like when I was like seven and eight years old, I'd be on the road with my grandparents and drinking coffee and going to rodeos. And it was it, that was like the life for me. I loved going with them. So I think that's where I got my love for the rodeo world. And my grandpa yeah. was a calf roper. And the summers that I spent with them were just in his arena helping him calf rope. And yeah. so I really had a love for it. I think there's a lot to be said about having your own ties or your own love for rodeo. Because I, I know at least for me, in the times that it gets hard and you become a little resentful of rodeo itself for taking for being difficult or taking away the person you love, you can fall back on that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I love traveling. Like I like to be home for a week and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. It's a little harder with a baby now, but yeah, I still love I mean, we get to see some of the most amazing country in the world and it's so awesome to go out and meet new people outside of your community. And just from my, from my perspective with Sashin, I get to see all the different fashion from all different parts of our country. We go to Canada too, so. Yeah. <laughs> our continent, yeah. <laughs> now, you and Tuff were together. You dated for a long time before you got married. You were together for nine years before you got married, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. What were those early days like? You go on everybody's dream first date. You go to every professional sports game imaginable <laughs> in the first 24 <laughs> yeah. hours. Still, like I said, I still stand by my this is reading like a sitcom. But then, see, then you guys are dating. What is that first time period like for you? Um, yeah, so we started dating in October. And he, I mean, I got pushed right into 
the, the rodeo world. He yeah. <laughs> yeah, he left for the Canadian finals that year. And so back then it was when you didn't have the phone uh, service that you could have. So you just shut your phone off when you went across the border. And otherwise you got like that $3,500 bill when you came back. (laughs) So he shut his phone off and I didn't hear from him for a week. And I'm like, this is how rodeo is. Like you get left at home and sometimes you don't hear from him, (laughs) you know? And so um, he went there and then he came back and then I was still going to school. And the reason that most college kids don't make it out for the first week of the finals of the NFR is because they have their own finals to do. I didn't get to go the first week. Then I got out there and um, I think I got to go the last round or something and he won the round. And that was like the first time I got to see what is Tough Cooper like. Yeah, the phenomenon that was yeah. going on. Yeah. The Justin Bieber of rodeo is what they called him back uh, then. And oh my it, gosh, I was totally no going to call him like, that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and it was like, seriously, no joke. Girls just lined up for yeah. hours. And it was crazy to me because it had only been a month and a half that I, I'd been talking to him. But I had not seen any part of that because we'd just been here practicing in his house and just being regular people. And then you go out there and do that. And you're like, whoa, what is going on? This is not the person that I know. <laughs> right. So I was glad that I got to have that time with him because that's a really good time for cowboys to start dating someone, actually, because you do have those two months where you're not being really on the road and you have time to actually get to know yeah. somebody. Two months. That's, that's all we get. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically it. Two months yeah. out of the year. That's yeah. when all living it happens is those two months yeah. of the year, which is 100% true. But we talk about the, I would say, the things that most rodeo wives, girlfriends, family members experience, you experienced on an entirely different level or the most intense level a person could. How special that you got to know him at a quieter time and you're getting to know the real person behind this. But when you guys started dating, that was at the the beginning of his career. I think you said he'd only made the finals a couple times. So that, and that was like, I can remember when Tuff came on the scene and it was like Tuff Cooper mania. He really was like the Justin Bieber of it. He was, he was the Beatles. He was Michael Jackson. He was what? Girls like lining up and fainting. If anybody is unfamiliar with rodeo or that time period, he was just like rodeo's wonder kid. He was everywhere. I mean, and it's no surprise why. Of course, he's like charming. He's handsome. He's all of those things that make that like create that kind of frenzy, of course. So I can't imagine what it's like that you've sort of been thrown into this literally and that's your boyfriend. I mean, were you intimidated? I would have been. I'd probably gone like running back to the (laughs) hotel room. (laughs) That's the part where he was like, nobody else would have been able to handle this. Yeah, it was... I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. I just didn't let it get to me either way. My head blow up or it make me turn away from him because, like I said, I did get to know him and he was, he is everything everybody thinks he is. He always does such a good job with our relationship of making me feel comfortable in, in the very early stages of us being together. And I know a lot of now a lot of people think you have to put on social media that you love somebody or all about your relationship on social media for people to think that you have a good relationship. But for us, it was about how we were behind closed doors. And 
he was always so good at just making me feel great about our relationship, feel secure. And that's really how everything worked so good is the way that he handled it as well. I mean, you were both very young. And I just think navigating that separately, the two of you. I'm a little older, just so you know. (laughs) You're super old. You're practically his grandma. (laughs) He loves older women. That's what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> All of those young girls didn't even know. It was their moms who should have been going after tough. They're the ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but it, it just takes two super secure and confident people to not be threatened by that, not to let your relationship yeah. feel threatened by that. Like you have girls throwing themselves at him and for you not to feel threatened or just even normal feelings of jealousy or even insecurity or any of that, especially when I assume at the beginning you guys were probably spending a significant amount of time apart. That takes somebody really comfortable and confident in who they are and in their relationship too. And great for him to also not let it as a young boy that could absolutely go to your head in like a second. Oh my gosh. I know. That's why I would always tell him I'm like, what are you doing? Like I said, he always said he didn't want a girlfriend, but also he felt a connection with me. So he didn't want to let that go. But I'm like, you could be doing like just dating all these girls that you want and partying and being yeah. this crazy person. And he just didn't have that feeling. I'm sure he did before I came along. I don't know about that. But yeah. When I came along, it was like he was ready to just have somebody be with him and go down the road and share that with somebody. I'm sure a huge amount of that just happened. It's the right person coming along. Yeah. Going back to our first date, he showed up in a red convertible Mercedes wearing a suit. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Wearing a suit and Air Force Ones. (laughs) And he's, oh, I just came from church. This is what I wear to church. Okay, I've not ever seen you wear a suit to church in the whole time we've been together now. So I know that was a lie. But (laughs) after the day, I was like, okay, let's try this again. And next time you come from the barn wearing your cowboy clothes and you drive your own vehicle. I'm sure it's a a Chevy Dually or a Dodge Dually or something. That's probably something you loved about you, right? Was that you wanted the the real tough him. The tough real him. One of the real tough Cooper, yeah. Yes, who he was to me, he showed up trying to be somebody that he wasn't. And I was like, that's not who I want. And I think he just had an idea of what an older woman would want him to be or showing up as. (laughs) But yeah. And after that, it was just, he was like, okay, I can just be myself around this person. And she's okay with that. I don't have to be the person driving a sports car or dressed up not as what I really am. Right. Even though he does like to wear his Air Force Ones every now and then. But <laughs> some things don't change. <laughs> As being an older person and, and being a little more mature and had, be, had been through some relationships before, I think I just was ready to be with somebody and put all that stuff aside. Just let's just be our who we are and see if it works out. Yeah. And so that's that was from the beginning of our relationship. That's how it started out. And so that's what we just carried through throughout. I'm sure for him, he's super young. He's really blowing up. I'm That comes with a huge amount of pressure and expectation from the rodeo world. You're on this huge stage. And so I'm sure in some ways he felt like he was having to fulfill this role of like 
wonder kid that everybody's put they're putting him in that position. So I'm sure for you, you're like you come along as like a breath of fresh air. You are just interested in who he is and not his accomplishments, not what he's winning, not his name, not these all these external things that you were really getting to know and love him for who he truly was. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I try all the time to being Tuff Cooper. His whole family rodeos. His yeah. whole family has won world championships. And it's that is so much pressure put yeah. on somebody. And it's just, I don't know. I just, like I said, I, I can't imagine being who he is. And at that time, there were so many people around him that, that did love that, who he was, Tough Cooper. And so, yeah, like you said, I think that was just what made it a lot easier for us to be around each other was that I was somebody that just didn't really care about that. So when you guys, so now that you guys are together and he has all of this very intense, like all eyes on him, right? Then by default now, you're thrust into that a little bit too. What was that like for you? Was it hard for you to maintain personal boundaries or did extra scrutiny get put on you? Was that difficult or was that something you guys didn't really have to deal with? I'm not going to name any names here, but <laughs> the beginning of our relationship, it was really hard because there were a lot of people in his life that were saying, you don't need to have a girlfriend. For your image, you don't need to have a girlfriend. And so for a long time, he didn't say that he had a girlfriend. Well, he never said he didn't or he didn't. People just said right. what they wanted to say. Right. And he never corrected them. Like a rodeo announcer's favorite thing to say about oh. somebody is... He's rich, young, and he's single, ladies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We need to have a list of banned phrases for rodeo announcers. God bless him. I'm <laughs> right? sure it's a hard job. But please, for yeah. the love of God, can we not say that anymore? <laughs> and he's single. That was like they could not get enough of that because it made the crowd go wild. Oh, yeah. And I remember being at a rodeo one time, and my mother-in-law and I get along just fine now, but before we didn't. And that's something we should get into. But I was at a rodeo one time and we had been dating for three years. It was Clovis, California. And I was sitting in the sands and they announced us and the guy and the announcer says, and he's single. And I know he's single because his mother told me he's single. No. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, okay, three years in, four years in. This is where we're at. But I mean, how so did you for a long time that? Myself, I just laughed. I laughed. His aunt, Celie, was sitting next to me and she was like, oh gosh, that's his mom's sister. <laughs> it was like, okay, we're going to pretend we didn't hear that. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. So, like I said, it was, I wasn't trying to be in his spotlight. So it didn't, that really didn't bother me as long as he wasn't the one that said, yeah, he's not single. And and it's not like we were trying to hide it, but like I said, is that wasn't what I didn't want to be out put out there. And there was a couple times, like I said in my answers, that that I did get outed <laughs> by people, and there were nice people, and there were a lot in the early stages. Probably the first five years, it was hard. Like I had to stay off social media a couple times really? because there were so many moms, lots of moms, and lots of grandmas. <laughs> So basically, your same age group, then, right? That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, my same age group. 
Yeah, that they wanted their daughters to marry him like so bad that they would get on and comment. Like they would hunt me down. I had to put on my social media so that you couldn't search my name. But they would hunt me down and um, comment on any pictures they followed me that just bad things. Like that I was ugly or that I was too old. They would find out how old it was. When most people were like, aren't you younger than him? You look younger than him. That's what I would have guessed. But yeah, there was a lot of that and the fans that that did find out about me were not too happy about it. But do you think it was just that unhappy? goes back to go ahead. That goes back to him being like the Justin Beaver. And I can relate to Haley Beaver right now, which is so weird. <laughs> but like all the hate that she gets, I remember going through that in the first five years of our relationship. It was and you can't even I don't know. You can't even fathom the things that I read about about a relationship. These are rodeo people. They're not movie stars. And so the things that I read were just, I just couldn't. So, yeah, I had to get rid of uh, social media a couple of times and just keep my head down. And, um, yeah, there was one girl that had posted a picture and it had me in the background. And she said that she was going to stab me in the back next time she saw me because I ruined the picture of her and Tuff together. And that was when I was like, okay. We sat down and had a talk about the way things need to start going. And so we did some some social media, just pictures of him and I, and just eased into it. And, And then we just were like, okay. People are going to either have to not like it or like it. I'm here. To, yeah, I'm here to stay. And we're just going to have to get over this part. So it was hard for a while. But I think those girls started growing up and started getting in relationship. Yeah. They were 13, 14 year olds then. And they grew with them. I love seeing some of the fans that are married and have mo- and are moms now. Yeah. And they still are fans of him, but they're not quite so vicious. Yeah. <laughs> We all grow up. We all grow out of things like that. God hope, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Would you say that was a turning point in your relationship where you guys had to then address it? It's really getting out of hand. It's not just people being petty or mean, but it's that's another level. And I can only imagine how you're internalizing that. Even if you're trying to just let it roll off your back, whatever, these are strangers. At a certain point, I, I can't imagine that not affecting any human being. We all have feelings. But you guys then making the decision to be more open with your relationship, is that what you're saying you did? Yeah, we were a little more open and just I, we both thought that it'd be better to just put it out there and let people see it. Yeah. And like I said, people either grew with him or grew out of him is yeah. pretty much what it was. <laughs> right. And uh, and then it became where the fans were fans of our relationship. They would come up to me and want pictures with me and we'd sit and talk and stuff. And it got better. Like I said, yeah. people just grow. They were willing to like embrace and accept you as part of his life, which is huge and obviously what they should have done at the beginning. But how great that they came around. And that too, a huge component of tough when I think of who he is, his fans, because he has incredibly devout, we should call them, (laughs) and loyal (laughs) fan base, 
which is awesome. And I've seen that really firsthand. But I have to say that of all the people that I have witnessed in rodeo, the way Tuff interacts with his fans is something really special and that he should be given a lot of props to. And I want to hear your take on that. But I do just want to say that I have always personally felt extremely grateful to Tuff as a mom because Cade, our oldest son, when he was young, could have cared less that his dad was Luke Branquino and was a bulldogger (laughs) and good at it. He was like, dad who, whatever, rodeo to him for like probably a solid four years of his life existed only in the realm of Tough Cooper. Tough Cooper was his world. (laughs) And by the way, it was never tough. It was always Tough Cooper, which he also said when he was little as Tough Duper. So sometimes we still call him Tough Duper. (laughs) But every single time we would see Tough somewhere, Cade would just – it was like his idol. And every single time, Tough would go out of his way to come over. And he didn't just say hi or give him a minute of time. He was always like – got down on his knees on his level, would ask him about stuff like, oh, are you roping yet? How's it going? I don't know if he ever actually remembered who he was, but he always acted like he did. He gave him hugs. One time, Tuff went to his school. I don't know if you know this. When Cade was maybe in first grade, he went to his school. We got him out of class. He'd come out. And it was just like, for me as a mom, seeing that joy in his face, that Tuff took the time to do that was just like, I will always be thankful for him for being that person. And he never seemed put out. He never seemed like it was a drag. He never seemed too busy for it. When I know that probably just because of who he is, he always has a million people wanting a tiny piece of him and that he was willing to give that to some little boy that couldn't do anything for him back was just, I think, really speaks to who Tough is as a person. And I hope everybody out there knows that about him. Yeah, that is one of my absolute favorite things to see. First off is to hear a little kid say Tuff Cooper because they call him Tough Cooper. It's, it's, it never is tough. It's always <laughs> Tough Cooper. My nieces and nephews were the same way when they finally figured out, when they grew up and figured out who he was, it was always Tough Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> and Itty, we call him Itty because that's what his family called him. He was little forever, and they called him Itty Bitty. Uh-huh. And so everyone calls him Itty. But yeah, his relationship with his fans is amazing. And that's one of the reasons that he has as many fans as he does, because when he travels, he meets people. And he doesn't just say hi and send an autograph. He spends time with people. He gets to know them. And that's what they love about him. And I tell the story of... The first time I really saw that interaction was where we, I'm big rodeo somewhere, and him and I were walking up holding hands, and this girl comes from the 40-yard line just (laughs) running straight at us and just bear hugs him. And so I step off, and they just sit and talk and laugh and smile, and they get a picture together. And when she walks away, he just grabs my hand and starts walking again. And he didn't introduce me, and I was like, who was that? thinking it was a cousin that he hadn't seen in a long time or a really good friend or something. And he was like, I have no idea. It was just a girl who's a fan. And he made her feel like awkward or yeah. most people would be like, why are you hugging me? And he was just like, nice to meet you. He acted like he'd known her. Yeah. And that was, I was just like, that's amazing for you to make somebody feel like that. And that's what he does. Everywhere he goes, 
with his fans. Like he said, he gets down on kids' levels and talks to them and asks them how their day is and where they're from and what event they're doing and how they did at their last rodeo. And he really makes that connection. And I mean, without our, our fans, rodeo is nothing. They're the ones that show up. They're the ones that buy the tickets to come see us. And he has done such a great job of uh, making all the fans, letting them know that he cares yeah. about them. I think that's like pretty rare and special quality. And I see it some in Luke also, but just those, their ability to connect with people and not ever make anyone that takes the time to come and introduce themselves and support them. Because I think that tough and I know Luke genuinely appreciate the support that they Mm -hmm. get from these fans. Because like you said, they know that without people to watch rodeo, there is no rodeo. But just to be, I think just in life, outside of rodeo, that that ability to let people know that you care and find that kind of personal connection, even if it's for a second, is such a special thing. Yeah, that's, like I said, that's one of my favorite things about him. And about his career. Um, so that's why it's so hard for me when I get on social media. Yeah. I, I don't run his social media. I get on and I read comments. He he posts and then I, I have to go in and check spelling and do all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Such is the, the burden yeah, of a run your wife. <laughs> I'm the comment reader, which is a job I should not have because oh. I don't really care about things people say to me. Like I, I've always brushed it off. But when they say something about him, I'm like, like the mama bear comes out in me. <laughs> I have learned to to just not comment back to people. But there are some comments that just the other day on a PRCA picture that they posted of him, someone said, I don't like him. He's a rich kid and he's arrogant. And that person had never met him because yeah. somebody commented underneath it and they were like, have you ever met this kid? Because right. I've met him at a rodeo and he is far from arrogant. How do you separate yourself enough to not want to snap back? I've been through that enough to know that people have their opinions made up whether they like someone or not based on whether they've met them or not. It's just, it's their opinion. And you can't change someone's opinion, even if you try to. It's like banging your head against the wall. So just commenting back is the same thing as just banging your head against the wall. It's not going to change their opinion. They already have it. Right. And that's what I had to figure out because I've gotten in some arguments on social media about and but you don't like I've given you the facts and you're still telling me that he's a rich kid I'm like do I need to give you a bank statement or what (laughs) he rodeos for a living like he's not we're rodeo rich okay there's a whole different that's a whole different term oh I love that I love that you need to coin that immediately rodeo rich boy isn't that something (laughs) when it's only a number written on paper that would be the definition of rodeo rich (laughs) yeah that's the only thing that, that has made me not do it anymore is just getting wiser in my older age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Knowing that uh, I've gotten in those arguments before and it didn't get me anywhere. And, and those people, I'm one of those people that can read a hundred great comments and that one just yes. would not, oh, I could not let it go. But yeah, with growing up in, in life, you start to realize that those things don't matter. And right. that person is not in your life. They're on social media. And yeah. what matters are the people around you and your relationship with your husband, with your family. And you've got to pour that energy into keeping your family together and that good energy. 
yeah. within your team. Absolutely. I think one of the things you said there that really related to me is that these people are making their, you know, opinions about somebody based not on facts. And that's what I had to tell myself is that these people had strong opinions. And so I always wanted to be the voice of reason. If I just tell them that they're wrong right. and this is why they're wrong, because here are the facts, then they'll understand. I kept thinking like a reasonable person will understand if I just give them the information they need. And I really had mm -hmm. to tell myself that because their opinion was never based on facts, that facts aren't going to work on them. They don't care about the facts because right. that never played a part in them forming their opinion. And when I did that, it was easier for me to let it go because like you said, your energy is so limited that it's not, that's not the best place to use it. Right. So since we keep talking about how there's so much scrutiny that comes along with being so visible, that flip side to being loved, is there when you face like difficult moments that come along with rodeo, not winning or having dry spells, is that then like extra hard when there's so many eyes on you? It is. And especially for Tess, he wears Jesus on his collar. And you think people get judged, but try putting Jesus on your collar because then you're going to have 10 times more judgment by Christians. <laughs> if he doesn't, if he doesn't smile when he misses, it's, oh my gosh, he's such a jerk. The two minutes they see on TV, it, he gets judged for everything. So you have to be so careful about what to say and how you say it. And he does such a good job of just brushing everything off. And you hear, you'll hear the announcer say, there's that million dollar smile, even though, and he tips his hat, even though he yeah. just missed. That's a, been a really hard part of his career is just that there is a lot of judgment on him. But like I said, he handles everything so that it's us women that have that problem. <laughs> I think it's just a protective nature for when it comes to the people you love. Yeah. I can see how because he's, a, a, he's really outspoken about his faith and how that plays a role in his success and it being so important to him as a person. I can see how that is difficult and that just opens you up for a new level of judgment from others. Yeah, yeah. I know we keep talking about social media, but a lot of his career is on social media. He is one of the biggest rodeo people on social media. So when you read the comments from Christians that say, oh, he shouldn't have Jesus on his collar because he made some kind of mistake, it's like, that's the whole point of Christianity. Jesus' story is that he died for our sins. And for him to have Jesus on his collar, I think as I know that it's done a lot more good than, than it has bad. I know it's been a little bit hard on him when he does make mistakes. But the people that have seen that and said, hey, you know, you have turned me to Christ because I saw that on your collar. You know, um, that's an amazing part. With everything, there's good and there's bad. And there's going to be people that judge you, but there's also going to be a lot of people that you help yeah. in the way that you carry yourself and the things that you do and putting, he puts his faith out there on his collar. And it's one of an, another awesome thing about him. <laughs> right. I'm sure throughout this, I'm going to find one bad thing about him, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll devote the entire end segment to things that are bad about Tough Cooper. <laughs> it's going to be a really short segment, but still, we'll put it in there. <laughs> I'm sure you just, it must feel like you have 
people waiting with bated breath for him to mess up or to judge him in his worst moment. Like you said, there's it's inevitable that these guys, the finals, for example, the biggest 10 days in rodeo, every night is televised. There is so much pressure. The atmosphere is so intense. All of that, really all eyes in rodeo are on you then. And there's there's that moment that Luke goes and misses a steer or Tuff goes and misses a calf and it feels like everything's on the line. And then there's that close-up of their face on TV. And they're <laughs> right. catching them at one of the toughest and most vulnerable moments. And how you react just as a human in that moment is going to be what everybody judges you on. Talk about pressure. I can't imagine. I'd right. run crying. Yeah, that's – it's in every sport. We've been watching a lot of documentaries lately and the one that I that we really was the David Beckham one and Tuff could relate to a lot of things that that went on in there I don't know if you watched it or not but I haven't yet you oh you need to watch it it's so good but he just goes through a lot of uh, things in his career where he's just at the height of his career and everybody loves him and then he did something wrong and everybody hates him everybody he is getting death threats his wife is getting death threats he He's riding the bus to games and people are throwing things at him and cussing him. They're, the whole stadium is chanting his wife's something very vulgar about his wife. That's how bad it was. And he had gone from the golden boy yeah. of soccer to like the bottom of the barrel. Enemy number and, one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Tuff has gone through a couple of those moments in his career. And it, it is, it's really hard mentally and how we got through it was just his faith in God and the good people in rodeo because there are so many good people in rodeo and when things like that happen inside inside our little circle people that you aren't great friends with because we're all family and so when something happens like that everybody people that you just say hi to at a rodeo become your family and your inner circle and They're the ones that cheer you up. They're the ones that come up to you and say, hey, you got this. It's just going to be a phase. Yeah. So there was a lot of those moments or a few of those moments for Tuff where his inner circle of just rodeo family came up and helped him through that. But it is with every sport. It's the same as rodeo there. We have, I think you just have that inner circle and then the whole rodeo, real rodeo family, the ones that compete and know how it is. And then there's their outside. There's that outside circle. And then there's the fans. And I don't know how to explain what a, a fan is because there's the ones that cheer everybody on. And then there's the ones that like somebody had a Halloween costume and it's, it was the uh, couch jockey. Have you seen that? Oh, I haven't seen it. I need to. They were dressed up as a jockey and they were sitting on like a blow up couch and they had these posters and it was wrote out like, uh, I can ride better than Emily <laughs> Beisel, <laughs> all these things. And it said it's about uh, couch jockey season. <laughs> yeah. Oh, isn't that? But amazing? yeah, there's always somebody that just thinks that they could do it better. But that's with every sport. It's not just rodeo. I think it's harder for people in rodeo to see that because we feel like we're such a close knit family of people. And so when you see somebody say that, you're like, we're supposed to be cowboys and cowgirls are supposed to support each other and always pick lift each other up. That's the cowboy way. So when we see that on social media, people just attacking someone that we love or that we know it, 
it's really hard on on us. What you said there about how the people closest to you in rodeo really rally around you and it becomes a friend and it doesn't even have to be somebody like you said, you talk to every day. And that really is the best part about rodeo is those connections you make. Those people understand what you're going through in that moment and they have a real way of stepping up for you. There was, I think it was probably the first or second year that Luke and I were married. He had one guy that he rodeoed with and I don't remember exactly what happened. Something about somebody needing to ride a horse or needing a trade somewhere or something and Luke got screwed over and I won't name any names here. But the guy told him, listen, there's no friends in rodeo. And that was like, wait a second. That's the complete opposite of everything that I would describe rodeo as. Everybody is friends and everybody goes the extra mile to help everyone out. And I will just say that karma has worked that out. And he was not nearly as (laughs) successful as everybody else that did appear to have friends in rodeo. But that was shocking to me. And I always think of that and how that definitely did not serve him as well as every other person that has gone out of their way to help everyone navigate this pretty tricky lifestyle. And that's what Tub always says whenever something happens, like someone passes away or or any tragedy happens or something, Tub's like, we're all big rodeo family. And you'll hear a lot of these guys, when they win something, they dedicate it to someone that passed away, one of their friends that passed away, or someone that was loved in the rodeo community. Or this summer, a, a little rookie kid his rig broke down and he had no nobody to help him and he we unloaded our front stall for him and he came with us for about a week him and his horse and his dog and we had never met him before and that's the way that rodeo works in the inner circle we you do that kind of stuff for people and you do have friends and you do take care of each other at least for us that's that is how it is yeah absolutely How have things changed for you in the way that you support him now, like your role and what you do for him now versus how things were at the beginning? At the beginning, it was all fun and games. It's all fun and games when you're dating, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it's his money. He's sitting, let's go to every rodeo we can. Let's buy every horse you can. Let's, you know. Yeah. The beginning, the first 10 years was just rodeo as hard as we can and win gold buckles. That's all we thought about day in and day out was there was nothing else. I didn't hang out with my family very much. He didn't really hang out with his family. We were in the, we were in the practice pen or we were at a rodeo every day. We missed out on a lot of things. And at the end of the day, that those four gold buckles were a lot of hard work. But when you get older and you get married and you start having babies, it start, you start thinking about things that are more important. Yeah. I think he's definitely found a new love in being a husband and becoming a father. And Rodeo is taking a back seat when it was his first true love. Only a competitor's wife understands, understands that. Like, you want to think that you're first, but Rodeo, when they're an actual competitor and they have those gold buckles and they want another one, rodeo is first yeah and i don't know it it's hard and it's not because it becomes your dream too you want to see who you love be successful and do what they love and win that gold buckle i think my role has changed since we got married everything changes once you get married 
Yeah. <laughs> now it's my money. <laughs> now it's my money. It's like, <laughs> okay, um, let's not go to that rodeo. That one costs too much. Do not buy that horse. That horse costs way too much. <laughs> oh, true. No. You just have different priorities once you get married. Yeah. And a, and a lot did change for us. We started trying for a family. And this is something that I think a lot of people don't understand is that these guys have private personal lives that they go through. They're the same as you. You you get married, you're trying for a family, you have bills to pay and all these things. They The fans see them in the arena and they see them pull up in these fancy rigs and they're like, oh, they have no problems whatsoever. They've got the nicest horse, the nicest trailer, and they made it to the NFR, but behind closed doors, they're still going through the same struggles that everybody's going through. So yeah, we had some problems getting pregnant and I had a miscarriage a week before he had to leave for the 4th of July. And a few, it was a few years ago. And we had, it was 2020, and it was when no one was allowed in the doctor's office. So I had been to the doctor twice and heard baby's heartbeat twice, and he hadn't got to go. And so they were wanting me to go in one more time before we left for the summer. And I told them I wanted to wait because... I wanted him to be there. And they thought that the COVID rules would change in a couple of weeks. So we waited a couple of weeks. And that day we had a photo shoot with American Hats. And then the next day I had a photo shoot that was with Calgary Magazine. And I was so excited about having the opportunity because I'd been wanting to work with them for a long time. And it was a, like an eight page spread of their fall fashion. And, um, the doctor's office called and they said, okay, um, tough can come. They changed the rules and this is the only time you can come. So it was an hour before our American shoot. And we went in and that's when they told us there wasn't a heartbeat. And that was the first time that, that um, tough got to be there. And that was a really hard time. So I think we were just in shock because yeah. we still went and did our photo shoot that night or that day and just didn't tell anybody what was going on. And then we came home and I had to cancel the shoot for Cowgirl Magazine. And that was really hard for both of us. Yeah. We had just told my family, I was 11 weeks along and we had just told family because we wanted to wait till we were a little bit farther along to tell everybody. So we just told our families and started telling a couple of friends and then that happened. And um, he still had to go rodeo. Yeah. He wanted so bad to stay home. My mom came and stayed with us and cooked and just took care of me. And um, he wanted to stay so bad, but it was the Fourth of July run. Yeah. You have to go. Yeah. And I think that some people don't realize that I, because I know that's happened to so many rodeo wives, miscarriages and deaths in the family, and they still. It's this isn't just a fun weekend of rodeo and you know, this is what they do for a living they in order to pay those medical bills they have to go to a rodeo and win money and so people just i don't think they realize that we still have to go through everything everyone else does yeah just so yeah he had to go rodeo and i stayed home for a little bit but we had i know everything happens for a reason i don't think that's what god wanted for us he wanted us to have a child, which we have now, <laughs> but 
that's the devil's job is to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's his job to try and get you away from God. But that's when you turn to him, not from him. That's what we did. And God sent a kid that we just absolutely love. His name is TJ. And he, we called him and we'd been wanting him to work for us for a while. And we finally got him to come over and him and Tuff took off and went rodeo. And I stayed home for a little bit. But yeah, that's something I just, I don't think people realize. Yeah. That we're all living our lives and they have to live it publicly and they still have to go out there and, and rope in front of everybody and talk to people. And yeah. And they still have those expectations that are on them. And there's that pressure to win and be great, especially when they've set a standard for themselves like Tough has and also has this persona as being happy-go-lucky and approachable and all of that. But life outside of rodeo doesn't stop. And so when he's having to leave, I mean, hearing you tell that story just broke my heart. And and knowing he had to leave and carry that with him is having to leave you behind for all the reasons you said. He can't just not go. And you understanding that. But he had to go out there with, I'm sure, what felt like the weight of the world and all and the sorrow and heartache and guilt, I'm sure, of leaving you and then go be successful on top of that pressure has got to be unimaginable. Right. I, yeah, I can't even imagine it. Um, miscarriage is hard on us, but it's so hard on the husbands too. They lost a child as well. And then they have to sit and watch the person that they love go through, even though that they're not feeling the physical pain, they are feel they're feeling it. And he is such he has such a soft heart and loves me, loves yeah. me unconditionally. And so he was hurting. He was hurting bad for a long time. It took a while for him to get over that. And that's how my role changed. That saying, you can't fill from an empty cup. And my cup was empty and it it had been for a while. Because there is a lot of pressure on you when you are in the public eye and you get married and the saying goes, first comes love, marriage, then baby. <laughs> and that's what everybody asks you. Oh, when you have kids, when you have kids, even that just happened to us. And people are asking at the finals the next year, like I was supposed to be pregnant at the finals and people are coming up to me saying, oh, you guys have been married for a year or two and why aren't you having kids? You get asked that question and it's such a private pain. It must feel impossible to even answer that question. Oh, yeah. You just smile. And they Usually people make a joke. And it's not that it's just human nature. That's something I've asked people, too. We just get in a routine of, oh, you get married and are you thinking about having kids? Like, that's something I'll never ask anybody ever get because right. now I've been through that. Like, it is private. But, yeah, that's where I think my role changed and it I didn't realize how much of myself I poured into him and how much yeah. that really does matter. Like your attitude and your feelings, because for so long I had been just this, I have no feelings, let's rodeo. He had seen me cry three times maybe in the 10 years we'd been together. And it was because I was so tired from driving all night drives and not seeing my family. And yeah, like it was never because I had a, a feeling about something. And right. so now we have, you get married and you have 
now we have feelings. That's what we always tell. That's what we always tell each other. Oh, now we have feelings. <laughs> Ten um, years into our relationship, we had no feelings. <laughs> this is, feels oh, very. Relieved. When he does see me cry, I'm like, oh, I have feelings. <laughs> You've got a lot of crying feelings. Or I'm just gonna say it. Yeah, it's. I can really relate to you saying that because the first few years of our relationship, I would talk to Luke. I, by the way, I've always had feelings, but <clears throat> Luke really <laughs> didn't. And we, I he used to say, he's. I'm sorry, I don't have feelings. And so he's become so much more just like emotional and changed a lot over the years. And like you said, the you just grow up and you have kids and a family and your perspective on a lot of stuff changes. But he would just now be like, oh, my God, what are these feelings? Like, I, I can't handle this. This was so much easier when I didn't feel things. <laughs> but going back to what you said, I think there is a real sense of when you need to support them and you not wanting to put your stuff, your feelings onto them because you can see how innately like they're handling so much pressure and there's so much that they're they're dealing with of not wanting to add to that and so you just shove everything that's going on with you down and don't mention it and I did that for a, a long time and that became really difficult for me that at some point I just felt like I overflowed because for so many years I didn't say anything I was always fine and I know that we were yeah. in different situations where you were traveling with tough a lot. So your a hundred percent of your time and energy was there, but that you were doing the exact same thing that I was from afar. He would call and I would not be all right. But to him, I was fine. Everything's fine. You just go worry about yourself because I didn't want to be any extra pressure on top of what right, you have to be the answer. The answer to the problem, not the problem. That's what yeah. I always told myself. Yeah. Do not be the problem. Do not be the problem. <laughs> but yeah, you don't want him to be thinking about what's going on at home. Fortunately, I have got to travel with Tuff throughout our whole relationship. Early on, I was working and going to school and he just said, it doesn't make sense for you to be working for someone else when you could be out here with me doing what you love. You love being around horses. You love rodeo. I was able to, to just go with him and be with him. But you don't want to be the problem and say, oh, the cows got out, the water is, the pipes are broken, bills are due, like all the bad things. You need them to stay positive. And yeah, I, early on in our relationship, like you said, I wouldn't tell him anything at the end of the season. I'd be like, okay, this is what happened this year. And he'd be like, why didn't you tell me like when that was going on? I'm like, I wanted you to focus on roping. <laughs> yeah. Feel that you have to take notes and then at the end of the season, give them a little recap on every disaster yeah. that happened that they were unaware of. You're like, here's some fires I put out while you were out road dealing. Yeah. <laughs> so we talk about how you devoted so much of your time and energy into helping Tough become successful. But along the way, you really found your own thing and that has evolved or not evolved. That turned into Fashion Posse. So I want to hear everything about it, how it started, where the idea came from, just Fashion Posse 101. My mom was a photographer, and she would always give me her cameras when she would get new upgrade and get new stuff. So I was always taking pictures, and I always had my camera with me. So when I would travel with Tuff, I would just take lifestyle pictures of all the families and the kids and then pictures for him for his social media and, and stuff. And one day... Siri from Rodeo News, she asked me if I wanted to have a article in their magazine and do fashion. And I was like, oh, no, it's not really a thing right now. No, People are dressing up, but no one's talking about it. 
she was like, I just really like the pictures that you post and the families. And I think that we can do something here. We started it out as like a spotlight for companions. It was, that's who was dressing up were the companions of contestants and started out one page and then it was doing so good. We went to two pages and she asked me what I would name it. And I was such a fan of, why can't I think of it? Fashion. (laughs) Fashion police. Oh my gosh. Fashion police. What the heck? Why did I not think of that? I had mom brain so bad. Oh my I gosh. I thought I had pregnancy it- brain, but then it carried on to mom brain. Yeah, it never leaves. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. I was such a fan of Fashion Police at the time. That's when that was really big. So I was like, I'll just call it the Western Fashion Police, which is fashion policy. So that's what I named it. And uh, yeah, it really took off all the pictures that I took that didn't make the articles. I decided to just start social media for it. And then we would put the pictures on there and still get the spotlight, those people that didn't make it into the articles. So that's how that started. And it has still blows my mind. Like, yeah. I still don't think that it's that it became what it became because now I take pictures of everybody, all the fan wives and kids. And it's just really been such a fun thing to do because it puts two things that I love, uh, taking pictures and fashion together and making people feel good. Like, yeah. when I stop somebody... That's like the best feeling. I'm not really an out the most outgoing person. So this is fashion policy really has helped me like walk up. I have to walk up to people I don't know (laughs) and explain to them like, hey, I run this page and it's I want to say it's really stupid, but this is what I do. But they're always like, really, you you like my outfit or like their face lights up. And that is what I love about what I do. I made that person feel good about their fashion choice today. I don't think it's a stretch to say fashion posse became so huge and really quickly, I think from an outsider's perspective, people started dressing up for you. They're going to a rodeo and there were those people that would use it as an opportunity, particularly the wives. You finally get to go somewhere and so you're at a rodeo and there was always a unique sense of fashion there. But I feel like fashion posse made everybody take their game up to the next level And then I think you had a a large faction of people that were going and they're like going to get dressed up to a nines, even if it wasn't the finals. That was like the (laughs) you made it moment. If you found yourself on there, you became the voice of Western fashion because you were doing it before anybody else was. Yeah, I've had a hard time making myself big. (laughs) I always make myself small. But (laughs) when someone does walk up to me and say, like, you made my day or... um, my life is made because I, or they post and they're like, I now made it because I'm on fashion posse. Yeah. Like, it still is just so wild to me, but it has been one of the coolest things to watch Western fashion evolve. Like it's always been there. There's right. another lady. Um, I think her name is like Sue something, but she used to take lifestyle pictures. Uh, like back in the day, like all her pictures are black and white, but they're not really she just doesn't. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> but she took pictures of the wives. And I always loved sharing her pictures because they dressed up and they had the little dogs and they they had the fur coats and all that stuff at the finals. It just there wasn't social media to show it off. Yeah, I think it's taken a huge step. And it's crazy to see. And I love the opportunities that it's brought for everybody. I think it's amazing. It has helped the whole industry because when people buy clothes, that puts money back into our industry. And for all these 
influencers to become Western influencers and be able to work with all the different companies, brands and boutiques and stores that we have. That has helped generate so much money towards sponsorships for cowboys and sponsorships for rodeos. And yeah. it's just a full circle thing. And I've, it's been my favorite thing. I think it's absolutely true what you said. And I know that everything, when I started focusing on things outside of just Luke at the beginning of our relationship, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, my life became so much better is having something that did feel like my own. And I think that what they do requires so much dedication from everybody around them that it's easy to let that just become your world. And so having something that does feel like it's yours and that you're working towards is such a I don't know, it it gave me purpose and something of my own, something that I felt proud of outside of anything that he accomplished or not. Yeah, it takes so much. And just like we were talking about, like you have to put all your feelings aside. And like I didn't get to spend birthdays with my families and stuff like that. And so you have to find something because I don't think it works if you don't because you're pouring so much of yourself into someone else. and. You, you have to have something that, that fills that cup up. Yeah, I love that. And you've done such a great job of it. I mean, I know like even for me, the last couple years, Luke not going to the finals and like that the day after, you know, back number ceremony, like I, I'm refreshing fashion posse like a hundred times a day just to see what, because <laughs> I know that's where I can go and I'll see, you know, what everybody's wearing and you give such a voice to Western fashion and it's on its own. Western fashion is really having a moment right now. But I think you, in a lot of ways, led that charge in putting it out there in such a, a huge way, which is, it's like you said, it, it has such far-reaching effects in what it's done for Western fashion that I commend you massively for doing that. And well, I can remember once, of course, a few years back, and I, I won't remember anything verbatim, but clearly it stuck with me, as I read a post that Tuff put up on, on Instagram or something about supporting, he was basically saying how much he appreciated everything you had done for him, but also how important it was to support the people that give to you as well, that what you were doing was just as important to him as what he was doing. And I saw that as a real wow moment of him seeing what you were doing as worthy and validating it and wanting you to be successful. And he was basically just saying that he wanted, he believed in you and was going to do anything he could to help you also be successful in the same way you had done for him. Oh, yeah. I'm his number one fan and he is my number one fan. (laughs) He will make me go back and get my camera sometimes when I just leave it and don't feel like taking pictures. He's, oh, you're going to get it because that girl's outfit is needs to be on Fashion Posse. (laughs) (laughs) and it's so funny because he gets excited to see it too he's oh do you see that outfit do you see this outfit and I think that the guys are really getting into it too now I've had a couple girls send me what their significant others are wearing to back number night and I'm like yes the guys are like stepping it up they've got sequins on their jackets and and his mom was telling me just the other day she was like Back number night used to not be a thing. No. Like we would pull up and we would be in our jeans and shirt. Like mm-hmm. we'd been on the road all day driving to Vegas and then we'd get yep. our back number and we'd go to the hotel. Like this was not a thing. And she was like, before you came along. And I got to thinking about the first time I went to back number night with him. I didn't go the first year because I was going to going to school. But in 2011, I went and 
he said it was a banquet. So I was like, banquets you dress up for. I had seen this dress. I forget who I saw it on. Probably like someone that does not have my body type, like Jennifer Lopez or something. She looked amazing in it. <laughs> I can only but picture you this. in that green dress that she wore right now. That's the only thing I'm imagining you in. <laughs> it's that one that had the one brooch down below her belly button and all of a yeah. sudden tough is puff daddy. That's so. what I showed up to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was a long sleeve, short, all sequin dress. It was like all of... Olivia and something, but I had seen it. It was like a $700 dress and I just had to have it. I could not get over it. So I found it on eBay at the time, I think for a hundred bucks and it hadn't been been worn. It had the tag on it still. And I, when I wore that, Sherry, his mom, Sherry was like, that's what changed back number night. Yeah. (laughs) It has evolved now too. Like one year we drove a, we treat it as prom because Tuff never got to go to prom because he was rodeoing. So we always say, oh, our prom. And one year he rented a Ferrari or something, some kind of crazy car like that. And we pulled up to back number night. I had this red dress on. I look like someone said, this is not the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> Short <Why not>? cocktail. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so it's turned into just a fun night. Most of the time we are in mud boots and sweats and we all know how we normally dress so it's so much fun to just wash our hair and get our makeup done and dress up one of my favorite nights is back number night to just see everybody look different it's your one chance like you said everybody gets together and and i love that i had caitlin teal on the show a few weeks ago and we were talking about that how much it's changed and just that it's really fun to have a chance to knock all the dirt off and have one night where you go and it's just everybody's all glammed up and it's a lot of fun. It's very different from your normal. But I think it's safe to say that you have single-handedly like made everybody in rodeo a better dresser. So thank you. We all owe you a collective <laughs> thank oh. you for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I, I can't take credit for that because I feel like I wear sweats all the time and people dress up now. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> like, I have not found my mom style yet. <laughs> it really does change when you become a mom, doesn't it? It does. I, it's not that things things do fit me differently because I've lost my weight, but the low ride jeans, they're <laughs> low now. They I couldn't believe that I really, I rode horses in these. These are low. I feel like nothing even. I'm a high rise girl now. Yeah. I'm not, just nothing's in the same spot, I would say. That's the best yeah, description. I think that's what it is. Post kids is that like things it's like still your body, but also you're like, oh, that's in a different area than it used to be. Like, yeah, like I look down, I'm like, okay, my C section scar is like right below that gene line. I know it is. (laughs) Maybe that's what I'm measuring it off of, and that wasn't there before, so I I didn't have to measure it. (laughs) But yeah, my mom, my style, I'm, I think I'm going to do more of a Ralph Lauren equestrian style this year and I think I'm seeing I've been seeing that a lot on some boutiques that that's what they're trying to sell for Vegas this year and I think there's gonna be a lot less sequins and fringe and more like classy classic styles this year I love hearing your predictions for what we're gonna see is there anything and and I love that it's moving in the dark that direction that more like kind of classic vibe I feel like that is more in line with what my personal style has always been and Mm -hmm. I love going to Vegas and seeing everybody's different representation of everything. Do you have any rodeo fashion hot takes? 
that you will share with us. I'm really putting you on the spot here. <laughs> Hot takes. I really, I need to do my research. I have been, you know how it is when you have a kid. <laughs> yes. You you get out of things, but I've been seeing a lot of like metallic golds and silvers, and I feel like that tried to make that tried to make it last year, and it didn't. I really didn't see it that much on anybody. But I think in rodeo, it takes in the whole Western fashion. It I think it takes two years for things to really like. You'll see someone wear it one year, and then a couple people wear it the next, and then the next year, it's like yeah. everybody had it on. I think it takes that that long for things to come around. Yeah. But like I've been seeing a lot of metallic and plaids and like I said, equestrian kind of fashion that I think it's going to be Ralph Lauren's, Ralph Lauren, you have to say it like that. (laughs) Their fall line that came out is all Western and it's amazing. Yeah. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. I totally agree. At the end of every episode, we've been doing two things. So one of them is that I will ask you a question that has been left by a previous guest for a future guest. So this was not my question. This is somebody else's. And I'm going to read you this person's question. And never in a million years would you ever guess who left this question. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Tiffany. Who is your favorite steer wrestler? Wait a second. Did they know that it was going to be me answering this? They did not know it was going to be you, no. (laughs) Okay. I'm assuming this person, who will not be named, was hoping that that anybody that could possibly be asked this question would have the same answer. And it would be them. (laughs) I'm trying to think of all the steer wrestlers I know. I know that everybody's favorite is the booty shaker. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that what you call him? The booty shaker? Yeah. Tuff is the Justin Beaver, and he is the booty shaker. Yeah. In fact, I never call him anything <laughs> else. I don't even remember his real name most of the time. Just when we're at home, I that's what we always call him. The boys, too. <laughs> okay, real question. I made him, I made this person, I'm sorry, not him. I made this person leave <laughs> an, an, another question because I told him that one couldn't count. Which rodeo is the most nostalgic or holds the best memories for you? Oh my gosh, that's such a hard one because I loved, love, loved Pendleton. I think a lot of people do because it's all, it's held its traditions and it's not going to change. They are who they are and they're staying that way. And I love that about them because there's so many other ones that have changed their traditions. But I got engaged at the NFR. I don't think anybody knew that. It was in private, and it was a real secretive deal. Nobody knew. <laughs> Nobody like knew about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if we're going with best memories at a certain rodeo, it would have to be the NFR. Yeah. I feel like that you may have just answered my last and final question that I ask every single guest, which is, do you have a favorite rodeo moment or memory? And we can't not pick that one. I'm acting. I'm acting like I get a vote in your favorite memory. But that year at the finals, if there is anybody on the planet that missed that, can you give us a brief recap of that? Yeah, I was telling Tuff that this was one of the questions I was going to have to answer. And he was like, well, that's a no brainer. And I said, yeah, the year that you won your f- first school buckle, that was my favorite memory. <laughs> and he just looked at me like, what? I was like, that was like, the first one is like the best thing ever. And we just started laughing. But Yeah, we had been together for however long, a long time. And we had stopped talking about getting married because 
we just, him and I both come from separated families and we just didn't want pressure on each other to do anything with our relationship. And we were just having, it was just fun. So we hadn't talked about getting married for years and we just knew like, when you, that's what they say, so you might as well go do it, but we didn't do it. <laughs> we just knew, and we were just going to stay boyfriend and girlfriends. But yeah, so it was a complete shock to everyone. He didn't tell anybody that he was going to do that. I think Sage Kimsey said he was back there with him, and Tuff was like jumping around and like sweating, and Sage was like, dude, you all right? He's, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And then I will never forget the moment that he took the mic and... She was like, no, you can't. They're telling, like, they were telling her in her ear, do not give him the mic. Do not give him the mic. She told us that later. So setting the scene, I don't want to interrupt you, but he was going out to accept his world champion, like his gold buckle after the 10th round. They come out in the arena. They're announcing all the world champions. Tough comes out. It's his turn. So he's in front of God and everybody, literally there and everybody's (laughs) watching him so that's when this is happening is when he's going out to accept his gold buckle so i wasn't explaining it right (laughs) so he wins his gold buckle and they interview him and in the interview you're supposed to say oh thank you sponsors thank you family Um, this is such a blessing to win a gold buckle and instead he says something like he doesn't even make sense what he says something about being family and like he's stuttering and People are, what is he saying? And then he says, but I got something special to say. And she was like, okay. And he's, give me this mic. (laughs) And he says, Tiffany. And the whole crowd just goes crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm filming, which I didn't watch my filming till like years later. And I dropped the camera when he says my name. My camera just drops to my lap. He says, Tiffany. You've been with me through thick and thin. And I immediately just start bawling (laughs) because I know that the man who never talks about his relationship in public is about to ask me to marry him in front of everybody. (laughs) Literally would not be talking about me otherwise. Yeah. And so he gets down on one knee and says, you make me the happiest man in the world. And I'm not even on the stage. No, he's talking to you're in the stands. He doesn't even know where I am. I'm in the stands. He's not even, he's talking to the camera thinking, (laughs) I guess I'm watching. He knew I was watching. He's surrounded (laughs) by eight other of his closest competitors all watching this moment unfold. Yeah. (laughs) So he doesn't get an answer. He just says that. And then they have to finish the program and he jumps off the stage. He jumps the fence and he knows that I'm sitting right there about three rows up. And that's the part that everybody has on film. And it's my favorite moment. He comes up to me and he actually gets down on one knee and he has a skull buckle because he doesn't have a ring because he did not plan this (laughs) at all. It was actually, he said that if he won the all-round, that God told him that he was going to make him win the all-round at the first of the year. And when you hear something like that, like you're up against Trevor Brazil. like He's won how many all-round and he's, there's no way you're beating him. So Tuff was sure. like, yeah, I'm not asking her this year because <laughs> I'm not winning the all-round. And we got to the end of the season, and he was first in everything. 
half roping, steer roping, and the all round. And he was like, "Okay, God, I guess I have to live up. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I have to go ahead with this deal." So yeah, that's how that happened. He he won it, and then he had to do what God told him to do: (laughs) get on the stage and embarrass me. You, the two of you literally made rodeo history then. I can, rem- I will never forget watching that unfold. And like you said, when he, the moment he took the mic and there was this collective, like, what is he doing? And then, like you said, there was some sort of sentence that everybody was like a little confused, like what, what's happening? And then that happened. And I just remember the cut, the camera, like cutting to you and watching you. And that was, I think that's probably quite a few people's rodeo, my favorite rodeo memories, <laughs> not just yours and Tom's. My phone crashed. Like crash completely. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. I had so many calls and text messages and voicemails that my phone just, it turned black. It was just so crazy, but people happy. Yeah. People had been waiting for that for years and it was an awesome moment. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about things coming full circle for sure. Yeah. Tiffany, I just am so thankful that you came on. This lived up to every one of my enormous expectations, and I am just an even bigger fan of both you and Tuff after this conversation. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much. This is like just having tea with your best friend. You made it so easy. In that case, let's do this every week. Okay, I'm down. Well, that was fun. Now, if you're anything like me and just can't get enough of these behind-the-scenes stories from our inspiring guests then my website is the perfect place to dig even deeper into the world of rodeo. Visit the link in the show notes for even more Companion Pass content.